This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, family. Wonderful to be in the house of God today. I have to tell you, it's a little intimidating to be a pitch hitter when you got the home run slugger sitting over here in the dugout. Man. Woo. So pray for me, Pastor Joe. Probably the most sympathetic guy in the whole crowd. <laughs> I lived a dream. I lived a dream. I'll be honest with you. I lived a dream that I would uh, come in this morning and you'd feel so wonderful. You'd say to me, Richard, I just feel something on my heart. I'm just going to go ahead and deliver it and we'll save what you have to say later. I mentioned that to him and he said, dream on, dreamer. <laughs> I did have a, a bit of a difficulty finding direction. You know, there's only one thing worse than grasping for something to bring to the people. There's only one thing worse than that. When you've got six things that are vying for attention and say, no, no, do this. No, 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 do that. No, 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 do that. That is miserable. But in my case, I felt like the Lord gave me permission to do something. And that uh, permission was to bring to you one of my favorite narratives out of the Old Testament and indeed one of my favorite texts. So we'll launch that today and you'll find the reference in Second Chronicles chapter 20. I think we have the reading of the scripture up there on the screen if you'll follow along. It's a rather long reading but Hang in there with me. Uh, beginning at verse 1. A lot of names here. I'm not sure I got them all pronounced just right. But, hey, we'll never know unless we go look it up somewhere. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Munites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. That vast army, or it, is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Gedi, in Gedi. Alarmed. Oh, I, I, I really identify with that. Alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. They were having a revival. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, And that thus begins now an amazing prayer of this uh, wonderful leader, godly leader, Jehoshaphat. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. 
and no one can withstand you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary, a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Verse 10, But now here are men from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So we turned away. We turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And this is one of my favorite verses. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeiel, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. I love to hear the word of the Lord. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. And then we come to my one of my favorite texts in all the Bible. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I love that. I'm going to stop the reading there for now. I tell you that that particular verse has been mine. Two of them. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon you, Lord. And then the resounding recounter, the battle is not yours, but God's. If you don't get one thing other out of this little effort here this morning, I hope you'll take that home in your hip pocket. So much so, I want you to say it with me. Again, a couple of three times maybe. Uh, just let's, let's quote the text. The battle is not yours, but God's. Now you did well, but let's do it again. The battle is not yours, but God's. One more time. The battle is not yours, but God's. You got that settled? It's not about you. It's what He can do. Amen. I, I have mentioned in a previous message, I think, how, how often you'll find battle scenes. Battle scenes, battle scenes, battle scenes in the Old Testament. Almost to the point it seems gratuitous. 
Why, why so many battle scenes? Why, why does God have to, you know, include these gory stories in his holy canon? Well, I think there is an apparent reason. The Lord wants us to be absolutely understanding of the fact that this journey with God is not going to be some cakewalk into heaven through, uh, through uh, patches of roses and flowers. It is going to be warfare, honey. A battle. In fact, the greater the potential victory, the greater the resistance. The bigger the fight is likely to be. And listen, we have a foe that's bent on our utter destruction. He hates you. He hates God. He hates God's cause. He hates the kingdom of God. Anybody surprised? Anybody shocked when it looks like all hell is arrayed against you? You shouldn't be too shocked about that. You're on God's side. You're allied with God. Satan hates God, by the way. And he hates you because you're allied with God. So these battle scenes remind us that we're in a conflict. The conflict of the ages. It it reminds us, it should remind us, these Old Testament battle scenes, that not only does Satan utilize the same strategy every time, Now, if we could just get God figured out, or that is Satan figured out, we can't get God figured out either. But if we could just get Satan figured out and how he works exactly, how he comes at us from this side or the other, well, we'd probably have our defenses in in line and, and in hand. But Satan is a master at strategy. Just about the time you have him figured out on this side, he'll slip up on your blind side. By the way, we often think that, boy, where we really need to be on alert is in the weak areas of our lives. Can I tell you something? More often than not, Satan will attack us at the very area of our perceived strength. Please hear that. Judas, who was a financial genius fell at the point of finance. Peter, who was Mr. Daring Do, who was Mr. Bold, (laughs) I don't know him. Curses! I don't know him! She was 90 pounds soaking wet. And he absolute trembled at the notion she was accusing him of being. See, see, we, we think, boy, it's at our... We're, we're more often on guard in the area of our weakness. We know we're vulnerable there. And we're ignoring the area of our perceived strength. And the devil slips up on our blind side and knocks us off our little pedestal. He that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Well, I'm getting in the weeds here. I'm talking to you about why 
There are so many battle scenes. The devil uses various strategies. But this should remind us also that God, who is infinitely creative, often uses different strategies as well. Can you get hold of that? Now, can I, can I make a, a, a confession? We don't do church in this service like I grew up doing church. Hello? We, 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 we're not doing church here the way <laughs> my folks, my grandma, my grandpa in that little country church did, did church. But it's okay. Because God might want to do a new thing. I mean, how many times in Scripture does God say, I want to do a new thing? I want to do a new thing, a fresh thing among you. I want to show myself strong and mighty. I want to do a new thing. Whoo! One of the cardinal truths of the church etched in Scripture is this one. We've always done it this way. Huh? Isn't that right? Boy, it's hard for old codgers like me to, you know, to change. But what if God wants to do a new thing? What if God wants to use a new vehicle? What if God wants to make a new approach? Can I tell you, I have been in meetings here and there in the country where I witness Pastor Joe, and I'll not go into detail, something that I did not understand, that was not a part of my culture, church culture, different, different, totally inexplicable. Do you think I warred against it and said, that's not of God? It was obviously of God. And I didn't put my hand on it. Did I understand it? Did I try to replicate it maybe the next place I went? No. I just said it's one of those new things that God is wanting to do here. And it, it, it made me a little uncomfortable and uneasy because, well, I'd never experienced anything like that before. But I tell you, I want to let God be God. What if God chose to come in some, now I'm not talking about wild stuff that's, you know, you just, whoa, that's, that's far out there. But what if God wanted to do a new thing among us? And God wanted to manifest himself in a way that old Richard, old Richard Beckham, not stress that old, old Richard Beckham just had never witnessed in his life. Is that okay? Is that okay? Let God be God. Let God arise. <laughs> That's what I say. Let God arise. Well, I'm getting lengthy with this part and not even germane to the message in one sense. I have told you that the battle is not yours but God's. And there are several ways in which it is not yours. And I want to tell you about that today. And, and, and maybe this won't take any longer than the introduction. The battle is not yours but God's so far as its origin is concerned. Now, isn't that something? I didn't start this fight. 
Pastor Joe, you didn't start this thing. This conflict, this cosmic warfare began back there when Satan said, I am jealous of Jesus. I want his position. I want people to worship me. I want to dethrone him. And I want to be enthroned. And the conflict of the ages began. And you're just a little insignificant part of it. But you're a significant part of it. We are in the battle of the ages, friends. You talk about something significant and something big. How many of you like to think that you're a part of a great cause, a great movement? David said on one occasion as a youngster, is there not a cause? We're a part of the biggest thing the world knows anything about. We talk about Ford Motors or General Motors or General Foods or one of the major corporations. That's, boy, that's big stuff. Peanuts as compared to what you and I are involved with. We're allied with God in the greatest cause this world knows anything about. Isn't that amazing? Now we look about and we say, whoa, 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 whoa. We live in little old El Dorado Springs. How can this be significant? Can I tell you, when it's warfare, you, you, you don't just depend on the Dwight D. Eisenhower's and the George Patton's. When this country stood at the brink and it looked like inevitably we would all be speaking German. All of Europe would be speaking German. England had been overrun. France had been overrun. And Dwight D. Eisenhower spearheaded an effort of men who would land on the shores of Normandy and they would scale those cliffs and they would dislodge the enemy and thousands of them gave their lives and we don't know their names. And they're just represented by a white cross over there in France. Or there in, in the Battle of the Bulge, I've read about it. And in fact, I had a man in my congregation down in Lake Charles who had fought both at Normandy at the Battle of the Bulge. You talk about a hero and came out unscathed both times. And he talked about how cold they were and how, 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 how hopeless it seemed. And yet they refused to give up and they won the victory. And I can speak English. <laughs> Come on, crowd. What I'm trying to tell you is that we sometimes focus on the George Pattons and we focus on the Dwight D. Eisenhower's But it's people just like you and it's people just like me who wear the uniform of King Jesus who are on the front lines of the battle and this kingdom could not win without the likes of you. And what a privilege it is for us to wear the uniform of King Jesus. Everybody that's glad you're in the army of King Jesus, say amen. Amen. Good, good, good. The battle is not ours, but God so far as the origin is concerned. I didn't start this thing, and I'm probably not going to finish it. (laughs) And that leads me into a very related observation. The battle is not yours, but God's so far as the foe is concerned. Now, you say, well, now, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 Pastor Richard. 
Satan hates me and I hate Satan. He's my foe. Yes, he is indeed. But it's bigger than that. The foe, Satan, is, is more than your foe. He's Jesus' foe. And that's the bigger picture I want to lift for you. That we're, this, this conflict, this, this warfare, it transcends us. We're, we're a focus of Satan only because we're allied with Jesus. I, I've said it this way in the morning service, and I hope Pastor Joe and Sister Faith, you don't mind my, again, uh, alluding to your immediate challenge. Do you think for a second that Satan has some particular vendetta against Gabe and Erica, little Claire? Well, yeah, he hates them. But that's, that's not the big deal. The big deal is that he's had free reign in Albania for as long as anybody could remember. And the Romanian people, this people group, has never heard They've never even learned the Sunday school stories that we're so familiar with. And these two kids, I call them kids. To me, they're kids. They dare step into this territory that was uncontested and dare declare their intention of pushing back the darkness and freeing these people from the clutches of Satan. And Satan puts a big target on their back. And you know how he can do that more effectively than any other way? Touch their baby. Touch their baby. Oh, friends, let me just tell you, Satan really has not a chance against Jesus himself. I've got to tell you that. He is a defeated foe. Not going to be. He is. When Jesus rose from the grave on that first morning, he stepped on the neck of Satan and took away from him the keys of death and hell and the grave and bondage and declared once and for all that the devil was a defeated foe. Amen? Amen. Even in the final wind-up of things, in the final conflagration, when Satan's armies are allied and arrayed against the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not find that Jesus personally enters into any conflict with the devil in the wind-up of things. Listen to me now. He merely steps out and his brilliance and his presence is enough to obliterate the enemy. Obliterates him. Incinerates him. <laughs> oh, what I'm telling you, friend, is that we have a champion whose name is Jesus. And he has already won the victory over Satan. We just need to learn how to claim it. Sometimes we act like we're defeated. We don't realize the battle's already been won. Hello? 
I remember something Dr. Yoakum and their older set here is going to revere that name. Told us preacher boys when we were in his classes. He said, guys, I want you to remember something. He said, the devil is a masquerader. He is a bluffer. I don't know if he used that term. It's probably not correct. But he said, you will occasionally find the devil making his appearance to you, and he'll look menacing, and he'll look threatening, and he'll have them great big six guns strapped to his side, and they look like cannons. And he said that he'll pull those big six guns and point them right at you. He said, I want you to take a real close look at those six guns. He said, you'll discover they're water guns. They're wa- they look like the real thing. They look so threatening and so menacing. But he said, he knows that he is a defeated foe. Hey, crowd, we serve a great God. And the battle is what? The battle is not yours, but God's. And you need to remember that. And you need to learn how to claim the victory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Boy, that's good news. I thought this thing was on my shoulder, didn't you, Joe? You thought, no, you're too smart for that. You thought the, the, the progress and development, and all of this church rested on your shoulders? No, 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 no. God loves his church. He's fighting for his church. We're in the trenches. We're trying to take direction. And the devil is a defeated foe, and we need to claim the victory. The battle is not yours, but God's, so far as its foe is concerned. I move on because I've got about ten minutes to bring this plane in for a landing. The battle is not yours, but God's, so far as its origin is concerned. The battle is not yours, but God's, so far as its foe is concerned. Get this one. The battle is not yours, but God's, so far as its weaponry is concerned. Oh, I wish you'd get hold of that. The weapons of our warfare are what? Are not carnal, fleshly, earthly. <laughs> God doesn't need you to generate some kind of a grassroots commit, uh, uprising in the church to, to protect his church or get your way. Hello? <laughs> What I'm trying to say, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting out of imagination, everything that would array itself against the knowledge of God. And the first weapon he puts in your quiver is the weapon of prayer. The weapon of prayer. That's not earthly. The, the weapons are not ours. They're God's weapon. God doesn't do things the way we humans do them. You need to understand that. So many times we, we take up the battle ourselves and try to outflank the enemy and outthink the enemy and outstrategize the enemy and outmaneuver whatever. No, you're missing it. No. What did, what did Jehoshaphat do? They, they, when he learned 
of this vast army. They were only 17 miles away and moving fast. He didn't have time to check his horses and chariots and swords. And, well, check the powder guys. Get the army arrayed. Scripture says he feared exceedingly. Been there, done that. The enemy shows up and you say, oh my dear Lord, what in the world? But he called a fast. <laughs> he called a prayer meeting and they went down before the Lord. Oh, I wish we could get a hold of this, dear friends. It's an amazing study, even the prayer. The Jehoshaphat prays here. Look at it in, the, what is it here, verse 6. O Lord God of our fathers, are not you the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. He begins his prayer by focusing on the august nature of God. He reminds God of who he is. The next step he reminds God of what God had done for them in the past. Lord, do you not remember? Yes, of course you do. When you drove out the Ammonites and the Hittites and all the other ites of the land, and you got us the victory and gave us this nation forever. Lord, don't you remember? That's a good way to pray, friend. When you're in a battle to remember what God has done for you in the past, he'll do for you right now. And then he moves on to, 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 well, I call him a tattletale here. He begins to confess to God what God already knows. God, now look at what they're doing. Look at the threatenings. Lord, here they are marching out to, to, to take us and showing us no gratitude for whatsoever for having spared them back there in the beginning. He tells, he makes his complaint. He makes his complaint. But then he ends his prayer. If it were possible to wear out a scripture, I think I would have worn this out and won out. I confess it to God again and again. Neither know we what to do. Have you ever said that? Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon the Lord. Our eyes are upon I've said that to God a thousand times. I know across the years. I don't know what to do, Lord. This is beyond me. The enemy is too great for me. Neither know I what to do, but my eyes are upon the Lord. And then we hear what the Lord has to say through a... He just picked somebody out of the congregation. Suddenly the guy stands up. He said, hey, 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 Jehoshaphat, I just heard from the Lord. And this is what the Lord says. You're not going to need to fight in this one. You're not going to have to lift a spear nor a sword. You don't even... Just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Hardest thing anybody can ever do. That is the toughest assignment I'll ever receive. Beckham, shut up! Stand still. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit reaching in there and pulling levers. You're just going to make a mess out of it. Let me handle it. <laughs> Whoa! Well, 
What a message from God. I want to hear what the Lord has to say. So the first weapon is the weapon of prayer. But I, there's another one in here. I want to just, I have already alluded to it. It is the weapon of obedience. Jehaziel said, and he's, he's quoting the Lord. He says, I want you to quit trying to fix it. I want you to quit trying to do it. I want you to just relax, honey. The battle is not yours, but God. Stand still. And I declare to you, that, that's, that's a hard obedience to, to comply with sometimes. We want to we wanna move in. We want, we're men of action. We, we want to take hold of it. You know, we want to fix it. Oh, boy. None of you have ever been there. I'm the only one. <laughs> Obedience. But there's a third weapon in our quiver. I wish, I've got to get there because my time, I wish I had the time to read the rest of this story. But it is the weapon of, not prayer, that's good. It's not the weapon necessarily of obedience, though it involves that. It's the weapon of praise. Jehaziel said to Jehoshaphat, you're going to get out there to the battle scene, and this is where they're going to be coming up through this particular pass. I want you to just begin to sing the praises of God. Now, isn't that an interesting way to fight a battle? I thought we had to do it with sword and spear, chariots, fists, claws, gnawing and biting. <laughs> nope. He says, you just begin to praise the Lord. And on that given morning, the most amazing thing, Jehoshaphat conscripts not the leading generals, fighting men. He conscripts a tribe of people that are known for their singing skills. He says, I want you guys, now here, here, I want you to recruit some tenors. I want you to recruit some altos. Hey, put some, put some basses in there. Let me have a choir. And, and they march up to the point of battle, and, and here is the choir all poised, and all of a sudden I think somebody, I, maybe they start chants rather... Rather uh, timidly. Well, I say praise the Lord. And old chance feels the electricity of that. And he says, glory, hallelujah. Would you say that? Glory, hallelujah. Good. You can do it. And, and then, <laughs> I like to pick on him. And then somebody else picks up. And pretty soon the whole place is reverberating with praises to the Lord. Isn't that an interesting way to fight a battle? Can I tell you sometimes when I can't pray my way through? I get down with the word of God and I start praying. And, and it's, nobody else has this experience, but it's like an eight track. I'm dating myself. You remember what the old eight tracks were like? They just ran around in a circle. I get down to pray and really... Put, agonize and pray this thing through and all of a sudden instead of praying I'm on that old eight track and I think this is not working I've done it 
I get out my hymn book. I find some song of praise. Now, this this may sound strange to you, but I begun singing to the Lord. I began saying, God, I thank you. Don't understand what's going on. Don't know how to fix it. But I give you praise. Glory, hallelujah. I will praise him. I will serve thee because I love thee. Some course that's appropriate. And before I know it, man, I've broken through and victory is flooding my soul. Satan can't stand praise, honey. He can't stand it. He hates it. In fact, I've told Satan a few times. Now, Satan, understand this. You've attacked me with this thing one time too many. And I just want you to understand. The next time you attack me with that, it's going to be a trigger. I'm going to immediately begin praising the Lord. And I've had him test me. Here it comes. Well, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I magnify the name of Jesus. And Satan says, that's the last thing I want. And about three times a trying, they come up and jab me with something only to find a response that brings praise to the name of Jesus. And he said, I'm out of here. That's the last thing I want is for Jesus to be glorified. Hey, crowd, it's one of the weapons we have in our arsenal to praise the name of the Lord. Pastor Joe admonished us a while ago to think about the biggest challenge, the biggest problem, the biggest enemy attack that we could think of that's facing us in our life right now. Okay, think about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat you, Brother Joe. Think about that right now. And say, Lord, neither know I what to do, but my eyes are upon you. And you understand that rather than launching into it and trying to pull levers and put yourself in there to fix it, the more you do, the bigger the mess. You're going to stand still and you're going to begin to praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise. I don't know how the answer is going to come, but I believe it's going to come. And you will be amazed at how God will get you the victory. Well, my time is gone and I'm hungry and I think you are too. So I leave you with my favorite text. This morning. Would you quote it with me again? Did anybody remember? Huh? We started with it. Repeat it again. The battle is not yours, but God's. Say it again. The battle is not yours, but God's. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.